Let's all have a seat. Well, good morning, and it is so good to be together with you today. For those in the room, it's so good to be with you. And for those of you online, we are so grateful to share this time together with you. Now, if you are new with us in the room, uh, we have a gift for you at the end of the service, and we would love to give that to you. If you'd go to the welcome table in the back of the room, we'll have a host there that would love to give you a gift for being with us today. Also, if you're online, we have a gift for you. And uh, you can, they're posting a Connect card like right now. And uh, you feel, if you'll fill out that Connect card, click that link, fill that out. We'd love to send you a gift uh, for being with us today. Hey, Westside, will you let everyone that's new with us in the room and all of those online know how grateful we are to share this moment with them? Will you do that with me? Yeah. Now, I know something about you. And the thing I know about you is not because I'm smarter than you or wiser than you. It's because I know something about me. Um, I was at the center of every bad decision that I regret making. I was there. At every financial decision that ended up in regret, I was there. Every relationship decision or every word I said in a relationship that I ended up regret saying, I was a key deciding factor in that regret. See, every choice I regret making, I was there. And you were at the center of all of your regrets. You were a key deciding factor in all the regrets you have in your life. See, every financial decision that you regret making, every relational decision you regret making, every uh, academic or professional decision that you regret making, you were a key decision maker in that regret. And if we were to analyze these moments, if we were to like put our minds on the big screen and go back in time, I guarantee that there would be something that we would thought that we actually thought in that moment. We actually knew better. There there was something that we would say we actually knew better. I mean, after all, we look back now and go, we should have known better. I mean, we had voices in our life that were telling us to do something different. There, there, maybe there was even a scripture that God brought to mind that knew that we should do something different. But the reality is, more than likely, at least in my case, that we talked ourselves into the decision that we ended up regretting. See, I can be the best salesperson to myself to convince myself to do what I want to do instead of what I ought to do. Let me say that again. I am the best salesperson to myself to convince myself of what I want to do instead of what I ought to do. Pastor Andy Stanley uh, wrote a book uh, called Better Decisions, Fewer Regrets. I read this book last year. And in this book, he talks about if you want to, uh, to, to live a life without regret and have fewer regrets, you need to make better decisions. And so to have better decisions, he writes about five questions that will help you make better decisions. 
And in this book, it was so good of a book. It was so biblically based that I was like, I want my kids to know these five questions. I want to, to teach my baseball team these five questions. And I wanted to live by the, I wanted to put, integrate these into my life. And, and some of these I have in different ways or another, but the clarity in this. And then I thought, you know what? What if our church began to ask these questions? And this began, a ser- this inspired this series that we're in today. And in his book, he writes this. He goes, we come into the world with a proclivity for selling ourselves on what we want to do rather than what we ought to do. I'm a sucker for me. You're a sucker for you. As soon as we see something we want, we start selling. But all of that is just a polite way of saying we lie to ourselves and believe our own lies. Isn't that so true? We sell ourselves on lies. And we lie to ourselves. Why? To justify getting what we want. I mean, think about this. How can you lead yourself well if you lie to yourself? How can we lead ourselves well if we lie to ourselves? We lie to ourselves, and, and what ends up happening? We end up with the purchase that we regret that was dumb. We lie to ourselves, and we end up in a relationship that we regret that was doomed to fail. We lie to ourselves, and we end up in a habit that we regret and one that destroys not just us, but often destroys those who are close to us. Here's what I want you to know. See, we cannot follow Jesus, much less lead ourselves if we are lying to ourselves. We cannot be led by Jesus. We, we cannot discover his truth, his life-giving truth, if, or be led by his truth if we are lying to ourselves. After all, If I lie to myself, I will lie to God and others. And if you lie to yourself, you will lie to God and others. Now, hit the pause button right there. We are in this series called God's Will, No Regrets, and we are talking about a big claim, a big claim that is guided by the wisdom that we find in Scripture, that Scripture reveals to us. And that big claim is this, that series big idea that we're talking about. That when I follow God's will, I will have no regrets. That when you follow God's will for your life, you will have no regrets. When you follow God's will for your life, it it will lead you, though, to do some things. It will lead you to sacrifice what you want right now. But as time evolves, as time evolves and you look in the rearview mirror of your life and you look back and and, and you're going to look back and you're going to have no regrets as you continue following God. God's will. See, I found wisdom in Scripture. And every time I follow the wisdom in Scripture, even if, when it conflicts with what I want, I have no regrets. I have no regrets that I look back on and say, you know, I really wish I would have done it differently. See, I found wisdom in memorizing Scripture because memorizing Scripture is, it helps me discern and know God's will. And one of the Scriptures I've memorized is a, a passage that we talk about. Uh, we talked about last year. We're going to talk about it. We put it at the center of this series too. It's Romans 12, chapter, uh, Romans chapter 12, uh, verses 1 and 2. Today, I just want to look at verse 2. This is what it says. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. But he says, the author here, Paul, writing to the church in Rome, he says, be transformed by the renewing 
of your mind. Amen. By the renewing of your mind. This is how we begin, tra- begin, tra- begin become transformed. And then he says this, then you will. Then you will be able to test and then you will be able to approve what God's will is. Not what your will is, what his will is. And you're gonna find out something about God's will. And he gives you the inside track onto what God's will is for your life. It is so good for you. It is a pleasing will for you. It may not be pleasing right now, but at the end of time, you're gonna look back and it's gonna be pleasing. And you know something? It is perfect. See, if you follow God's will, you will have no regrets. Now, if the pattern of this world and the pattern that we're kind of born into and this proclivity we have is to lie to ourselves, then we must understand that we must be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We need to take this into truth and action and see God's truth in Scripture is how we can renew our mind. This is why God's truth in Scripture is so powerful to us. Because then by knowing the truth in Scripture, we'll be able to test and approve God's will for our lives. And and we'll be able to test that, that it's good, pleasing, and perfect. And this is why we've been praying the series, Big Prayer, that we started a couple weeks ago. I hope you're continuing to pray this. If not every day, I hope that you begin praying this every day. And that prayer is this. Father, I want your will more than I want my way. Show me your will for today. That we begin doing this. And this prayer is, I'll tell you something. It's a powerful prayer for a couple reasons. One, it puts you in a posture of being open to God's will. And a lot of times we come to God like this with closed fists. I'm going to, I want your way, God. I want you to come rescue me, but I still want it my way. I'm going to hold on to my way. But this prayer opens our hands. It says, it's not about my way, it's about your will. And this prayer also confronts something. It confronts our desire to lie to ourselves to get our own way. It confronts our desire to lie to ourselves because we don't want to feel bad about ourselves. It confronts that. See, we, we will ignore the truth often. We'll ignore the truth. And we'll, sometimes the voices of truth in our life from a spouse, maybe even a mother or a father, maybe from those that we love, and we'll ignore those voices of truth and we'll lie to ourselves because our immediate desires are blinding us to the truth. Because that's what lies do. Lies blind us to the truth. So let's be real with ourselves And just say this. If I can't be honest with myself, with whom can I be honest? I mean, think about that. If you can't be honest with yourself, can you be honest with God? Can you be honest with those you love? And let's just get to the brass tacks. And you might not be a Christ follower. You might not be a Christian. You may be interested. This is what you need to understand today. You owe it to yourself to be honest with yourself. You owe it to yourself. After all, that marketing company, they're not going to be honest with you. After all, that guy or girl that you're, you're talking with online, you, can you trust that they're going to be honest with you? See, if you don't have your best interest in mind... If you don't have your best interest, who can you trust to have your best interest in mind? Now, because of the resurrection of Jesus, we as Christ followers, we can trust that God has our best interest in mind. See, God has your best interest in mind even when you don't have your best interest in mind. Because when you lie to yourself, you really don't have your best interest 
in mind. And you can trust that God, even when you don't have your best interest in mind, he has your best interest. He's a God, a father who loves you and cares for you. And and Jesus would come to reveal God's nature to us, a God who loves us and cares about every detail of our lives. And God, this God who cares about your future, who, who, who wants not just your future to tomorrow, but he cares about your eternal future. This God shows us his will so we will have no regrets. And because we have this proclivity, this, this inclination to lie to ourselves, God gives us his truth through the writings of Scripture. This is why the Bible is so powerful in our life. See, it has been revealed to us through the writings of Scriptures, through the, Jesus and his teachings, and it has been endorsed by the resurrection of Jesus. See, God's truth is what we need to counter the lies we live. The lies we deceive ourselves, and you deceive yourself into believing. The lies that we tell ourselves often over and over again to sell ourselves on what we want, even when it's at the cost of what is best for us, God's will. And so here's a teaching big idea that I want you to know today, that I hope you leave today grabbing a hold of. Here's the teaching big idea. God's will for you is to live in truth so you will be honest with yourself and follow Jesus' truth. This is God's will for you. He wants you to live in truth. So what do you need to do? Well, first, you need to be honest with yourself. We must be honest with yourself. How, how do we then know what is truth then? Well, what is the standard of truth? Well, it's not my standard in what I say to be truth. We discover truth as we follow Jesus, and then we will live in the truth as we follow him and his truth. And if we're going to be wise to God's will, we need to be honest. We need to be honest right here first. It starts with being honest with ourselves, and then we can submit to Jesus and his truth for our life. Now, this problem of deceiving ourselves and lying to ourselves has been as old as humanity. It's not just new to me and you. This has been around since the beginning of time, and this is the story of the nation of Israel. This is a narrative. The narrative of Israel is they, they lied to themselves over and over again, and one of the lies they told themselves is that we need a king. And so God gave them what they wanted, a king. And through this era of kings, what happened in their, the kingdom of Israel, it, it, just as God foretold that the kings would lead them astray, that they would lead them outside of God's blessing. And that's exactly what happened. They, Israel, wanted to live their way, so they abandoned God's will, his plan for them, and Israel did what they thought was best for them. And in that, they abandoned what was really best for them. Now, it was the 7th century B.C., in this era, uh, the, the, what had led up to this is the nation of Israel over the last uh, century had been split into a, a, through a civil war into two nations, the nation of Israel and the nation of Judah. At this time in this era that we're in right here that we can actually read about in Second Chronicles chapter 36, we're not going to go there today, but this is where this uh, is, is recorded. And in this era, um, Judah had abandoned God's will once again. And so God then 
was telling Judah, I'm sending you into exile and they're going into exile. It's not what they wanted, but it, it's what God said you need so I can have your hearts come back to me. And so God sends them into exile under the rule of the evil king of Babylon, King Nebuchadnezzar. And just this past week, just a landmark in our home, my youngest son was able to pronounce Nebuchadnezzar correctly. (laughs) So King Nebi appointed the king of Judah now, Zechariah. And and, and, and in this, not Zechariah, Zedekiah, forgive me, Zedekiah, Zechariah was a prophet. Zedekiah, um, he appoints King Zedekiah as king. And Zedekiah continued in the way, uh, the evil ways. He did not want God's will. And he did not realize how foolish this was, not just for him, but, but how foolish this was for the nation of Israel and how hopeless the situation was in this. And so King Zedekiah does something really boldly, I mean, audaciously bold. King Zedekiah calls for the prophet Jeremiah and asks the prophet Jeremiah to pray to God for God to deliver Israel. Now, here's the reality in this situation. We got to just understand. See, Zedekiah, king, evil King Zedekiah, wanted God to rescue Israel, wanted God to deliver them. But he himself and Judah themselves did not want to surrender to God's will. Kind of like us a lot of times, right? God, I want you to get out of this, get me out of this situation. Come rescue me. But I'm going to still hold on to what I want and the way I want. I'm not going to submit to yours. And in this moment right now, King Zedekiah, we read in Chronicles, hardens his heart, has, had, heart had hardened his heart And the writer says he would not turn to God. And so the leaders and the priests reflect the same nature. They also hardened their heart. They did not want to turn to God. And interestingly, Zedekiah would become the last king in Judah before Jesus would come. However, in mercy, God sends a messenger to Judah to speak not only to the nation of Judah, but also to Zedekiah. And Jeremiah is the one that delivers this message. Not a hopeful message. It's a message that says, hey, you're going into exile. And this is God's will for you. But this is what God wants from you. And this is what the Lord says to Jeremiah. To share with the nation. Cursed is the one who trusts in man. Who draws strength from mere flesh and whose heart turns away from the Lord. See, this is the key thing. It's whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched lands of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. Isn't that what trust is? It's a confidence. And he says, they will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. This is what God's saying through Jeremiah. Blessed are you. When, When you put your trust in God and put your confidence in him, when you turn to him and your heart is inclined to him, blessed are you. 
See, it doesn't mean circumstances won't always go well for you, but when the circumstances aren't going well for you, yet your confidence is in him, this is that blessed state. You're not going to be worried in those moments. You're not going to be worried when the opportunities dry up all around you. See, we can turn to God and we have the confidence to trust in him, to put our confidence in him, even when it doesn't feel like it's what's best for us. And this is what Jeremiah's message was that God gave him. God's sending you to exile, and it's what's best for you, even though it's not what you want. And then Jeremiah, inspired by the Holy Spirit, not, he writes down these words almost like a warning to Israel, and God comes out in his pen, and he says this, the heart is deceitful above all things, beyond cure. Who can understand it? What truth in that? And then he writes the words that God gives him. I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. Look at verse 9 real quick. Go back to that. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Not very hopeful, is that? (laughs) Happy Mother's Day. (laughs) I didn't say that in the early service. I wish I would have. (laughs) I did mention earlier that our regrets are often the things that we should have known better. We should have knew better. Or did we just know better? And we deceived ourselves. Because your heart is like my heart, is like every heart. It deceives us. It's deceitful above all things, and it's beyond cure. And you know something? God knows this about you. This is the hope. God knows this about you. See, God understands your heart will deceive you. My heart will deceive me. It will lie to me and convince me to think that I know what is best for me. Proverbs 28, 26 says, those who trust in themselves are fools. Those who trust in their hearts are foolish. See, those who trust in their hearts are fools to do so because a heart is deceitful above all things. Now, doesn't this just make you question every time you've told somebody to follow your heart? Or the philosophy of this world Just do what your heart desires. Jeremiah would come and interrupt that and say, no, don't do whatever your heart desires because your heart is deceitful above all things. It's beyond cure. Your heart will deceive you. Your heart will convince you to do what could possibly destroy you. Your heart will deceive you into justifying what you want over what God's will is. See, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Now, is there really no cure for our deceptive hearts? Well, God would continue to speak through Jeremiah that he examines the hearts and minds and God knows the cure. He knows the cure for your deceptive heart. See, God wants to give 
His humanity that he created in his image that was distorted and broken by sin. And our hearts were then distorted and broken and it became deceptive because we're born into this curse of sin. And he gives us, he, want, he has a plan to give you and I a new heart that can know him and trust in him and submit to him. And so he says in Jeremiah 32 verse 39, this hope. He says, I will give them one heart and one way that they may fear me forever for their own good and the good of their children after them. One heart united, one way undivided. This is the kingdom God is establishing. This is the people of God. This is what the family of God is all about. We have one heart that is united together. We have one heart that is undivided in following Jesus as our Savior and our Lord. We have his heart, and we follow his ways. See, when our way of life, when your way of life is aligned with the heart of God, this is the true life of integrity. This is what it means to truly live with integrity. See, God wants the way you live. He wants the way I live. To, he wants the way that we live to be aligned with the heart he gives. This is what Jesus came to do. See, the truth of Jesus is good news for our deceptive hearts. The truth of Jesus is good news to your deceptive heart. This is what the good news in the gospel of Jesus is, that Jesus made a way for you and I to be transformed, have a transformed mind by his truth and through his work on the cross. And it's through his work on the cross that gives us this new heart when we receive him as Savior, and follow him as Lord. See, this is what the kingdom of God is all about. This is what it is. To a religious lawyer, there, there's a religious lawyer named Nicodemus. We talked about Nicodemus in this conversation on Easter a couple weeks ago. But Jesus answers a, a question that this religious lawyer has on how do we become a part of this kingdom of God? How do we, how do we receive this new life or how do we become a part of this kingdom that Jeremiah even prophesied about? And Jesus would reply to him, truly, truly, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And later Jesus would he continued to teach, and John would then say, he burst out in the most famous Bible verse of all times. And John would write, inspired by the Holy Spirit, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever, that whoever, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, shall not be lost to God. That's what that word perish means. They won't be lost to God, but will have eternal life. This was Jesus' purpose, to make a way for our deceptive hearts to become new again, to become transformed through the powerful work of Jesus in the cross, to be born again. See, Jesus wants you and I to become the new humanity, to be the, in the kingdom of God, to become the new family of God. And the way we do this is by receiving a new heart that submits to his way so we can experience his life. Jesus would say in John 6.40 that this is the will of God for you. 
In John 6.40, he would say, for my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son, looks to Jesus, and believes in him shall have eternal life. See, God's will is for you to believe in Jesus, but to believe in him the way God wants you to believe in him, to believe in him as Jesus wants you to believe in him, not to believe in him the way you want to believe in him or to believe in him the way culture is trying to make you think and make you believe in him. See, God wants you to believe in who Jesus truly is. This is why we did the series on the claims of Jesus. And one of those claims of Jesus that we looked at is what Jesus would say in John chapter 14, where he would say, I am the way and the truth and the life. Our deceptive hearts will lead us down our own way because of our truth. And there will be no life. And we cannot trust our deceptive hearts. But you can trust that God knows what is best for you. And that's why Jesus came. Jesus came to show you the way that we are to follow that leads to the truth that we can submit to so we can receive the life that God created all of us to live. See, Jesus came as the way, the truth, and the life to give all who trust in him a new heart to follow him. One heart united with God and his truth in Jesus. And one way, undivided, undivided in our way, but in following Jesus as the way and the truth and the life. Earlier, John would record Jesus saying in John 8, 32, that where Jesus would say, my disciples follow my teachings. And then he would say, then you will know the truth. If you follow my teachings, if you follow my way, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And we all know this. We all know this. See, that's the thing about truth. It's liberating But living a lie, see, living the lie is terrifying. Living a lie is paralyzing. When we lie to ourselves, we isolate ourselves. We live in fear of the truth about ourselves. And we live in the fear of the truth even getting out. And, and we, or even owning up to what is true about ourselves. But God knows the cure. He knows the cure for your and my deceptive hearts. See, knowing Jesus as the truth and submitting to God's will is the cure to our deceptive heart. We all have to recognize that our hearts will deceive us if we are led by our truth and what we believe. But God's truth, when we believe God's truth, God's truth will guide us, lead us, and give life to us. See, God's truth is how our new hearts come alive in Christ. And, and, and it's not, and, and when, when God's truth comes alive and our new hearts come alive in Christ, we are not then pulled back into that old deceptive way that our hearts want to deceive us into believing. 
This is why renewing your mind is so important. And it's not just a once and done thing. We actively are participating in this because we don't want to be drawn back into what our hearts want to deceive us into. We need to align our lives with God's truth. So I want to ask you, why is God's will so important? And why is being honest with ourselves and knowing the truth so important? Well, in a very sobering verse, Jesus talks about the importance of God's will. It's in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21 we begin. Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. This is why the will of God is so important. This is why I want you to know the will of God. Jesus continues, many, not just some, many will say to me on that day. What is that day? That day is the day of judgment, the end of time when God, when every person is going to give an account for what we did with Jesus. In that day, Many will say to him, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Now that word no is not just like, I know your name. That word no is an intimate no. It's like you may know me and you may know some things about me, but you don't know me like my wife knows me. Because we have a relationship. And that's what this is all about. That's the no. It's a relationship that Jesus wants. And Jesus would say to those that don't have the relationship, away from me, you evil doers. Wait, Jesus. Didn't they serve the poor? Wait, Jesus, weren't we the ones that cared for the sick? Weren't we the ones who who marched for justice? Weren't we the ones who sung the songs, who served in the community, who served in the kids' room, served in the schools? Weren't we the ones that shared the same values as you? And Jesus will say to the many, to the many, it's not your works that is God's will. It's that God's will is that you trust in me to have that relationship with me because trust is the foundation of any relationship. And this is God's will, that you trust in him, that you know him and that he knows you, that you know him and you know him as truth. So what do we do? Well, Jesus says in verse 24, therefore, anytime you read therefore, it's what is before that is therefore this. Everyone who hears these words of mine, and who is Jesus? Jesus is God. And so when he speaks, it's words of God, with the word of God. Whoever hears the word of God and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundations on the rock. See, God's will is that you know Jesus, 
that you have a relationship with him by trusting in him as savior and following his way as truth because he is Lord. And this is the foundation that is unshakable amidst the storms of life. And then in verse 26, he says, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. See, we can do all the good things, but if our life is not built on the truth of Jesus, as he is the truth, we don't know God. And God doesn't know us. And that is shaky ground. It's not true that your truth will guarantee eternal life. See, what's true about your truth is your truth is deceptive but it's only Jesus and his truth and God reveals his truth so we can know truth. And we know truth when we follow his way, submitting to his will. And what is the result of this? We experience life eternally. Don't allow your heart to deceive you into thinking that your way is better than God's will. His will is that you live in truth, not your truth, because your truth will deceive you. And in a culture that, re, that, that says, hey, you follow your heart, when, in a culture that tries to tell you all these things that are true, the philosophies of this world will deceive you. And the devil is the father of lies, but Jesus is the only way to knowing the truth so you can experience his life. So what must we do? Well, this is what I want to leave you with right here. I want you to ask this question because this cuts to the truth. Are you being honest with yourself? You need to ask yourself this question and not just ask you that question. Are you being honest with yourself really? Are you being honest with yourself? See, being honest with ourself is a sacrifice, isn't it? It's a sacrifice sometimes because it means... We're following what we want more than submitting to his will. And that's what we need to do. We need to submit to his way and give up our way. That's why memorizing scripture is so important in our life. Reading scripture is so important. It's gonna guide you into what is true. And so what must we do? Well, first, we need to make a couple decisions. One, that I will be honest with myself even when the truth makes me feel bad about myself. Are you being honest with yourself? In that relationship, are you being honest with yourself? Really? With that financial decision, are you being honest with yourself? Really? With that addiction, are you really being honest with yourself? With those thoughts that you're having, are you really being honest with yourself? And the last is this, is I will trust in Jesus' truth, even if, and might I say even when, it conflicts with my way. You need to ask this to yourself regularly because your heart is inclined to deceive you and that God gives us his truth to renew our minds so he can lead us in the way that is his truth so we can experience his life. God's will is for you to live in truth. So will you begin to ask, am I being honest with myself? Really?
Let me pray for you. And after I pray, our prayer partners would love to pray with anyone who would like prayer today. Father, thank you for sending Jesus to reveal to us your way that is your truth that leads to the life that every one of us wants because we really want what is best for us and we trust that you know what is best. And so, Father, may we learn to push past the deceptiveness, especially the lies that we tell ourselves. And may we submit to the truth that is your will for us so we can discover the life that you want us to live. And we can look back and say, we have no regrets. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, Westside. Happy Mother's Day, and we'll see you next Sunday. Hey, Westside, thanks for sticking around. Um, that those were some hard questions, and we decided we, we were don't, talking we don't the like them. whole entire time about these points. Yeah. What a great message! It Very really was um, something I needed to hear. <laughs> Me too. Me too. Um, what about you, Tommy? Yeah, he's yeah. just waiting. He's just waiting. <laughs> um, but wow, it was it was a great message. And yeah. I, I was just so challenged um, when he gets to the end, when Casey got to the end, and he said, am I being honest with myself, really? I mean, he, he challenges you to ask yourself that question, and the whole message being on integrity is, is my heart, is my life lining up yeah. with the heart that God gives us? Yeah. And he talks about how this is the sacrifice that God wants for us for us to, to, with integrity, line our lives up mm. with the heart that God gives. Because the heart that yeah. we have is incredibly deceitful. The things that we want, the things that we're pursuing are not, are, are probably not what God has for us. Right, yeah, because I talked about sometimes, you know, I know, like, I know that I, like, here's what I want, and here's what I know is the truth that God wants me to live out. And so sometimes I feel like, okay, Jesus, I'm just going to.